HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome to Let's Get Real on Heritage. Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Let's talk about Greece. Yes. Not the stuff on the end of your nose. Not the oily stuff. And not the movie Grease either. Although, Olivia Newton-John was supposed to be a guest on Let's Get Real a couple months ago. I know, it was going to be a big surprise. But we couldn't coordinate it with her schedule. But maybe still, I'm hoping, there's still a chance. Olivia, if you're listening... Call Chris, because we need to set that up. Anyway, we're talking about Greece, the country. Greece, the country. The, you know, the place where Western civilization was invented. Democracy, philosophy, medicine, Western architecture. All of that came from the Greeks, right? We all learned that in school. Now, the 2000 election and self-help and Adderall and McMansions, notwithstanding, of course, because those, I guess, came out of all of that. Plato, Hippocrates, Socrates, 
All those guys, all the Greeks. Aristotle, Sophocles. All Greek. All Greek. They were all really, really smart. Those Greeks were really smart guys. They figured out a lot of stuff that it would take the rest of Europe another thousand years to embrace or to even figure it out. I mean, really smart, really ahead of their time. They were a vast, vast empire, once mighty, those Greeks, leaving their mark all over Europe, all over the Mediterranean basin, right? You go to all those countries, oh, Greek ruins, Greek ruins. Yeah, they're Roman ruins too, but really, Greeks were there first. And now, those Greeks, mm, not so much. Greece is a mess. A total financial and political mess. We all know that, right? We hear about it on the news all the time. Massive unemployment, social turmoil, upheaval. The banks are in the toilet. A total mess. But why? Why? I don't get it. I don't get what's causing all that collapse. I mean, they may not rule an empire anymore or breed the world's greatest minds or build architectural icons like the Parthenon. But if you walk down the dairy aisle of any supermarket, any major mega mart lately, walk down that dairy aisle. You will see the Greeks rule the dairy aisle. Every week I see a brand new brand of Greek yogurt or a yogurt company suddenly gone Greek. An old brand of yogurt all tarted up Greek style for sale. The Greeks have completely taken over the yogurt section. The Greeks own the yogurt section. They own that aisle, at least in the part of the yogurt aisle that I shop in, or at least in the kind of slightly upscale kind of snooty New York City markets that I shop in, like Trader Joe's, not upscale or snooty, really, or this place Foragers, which is, I can't even talk about how up its own ass it is, but they sell really good stuff, or Whole Foods, who we love because they sponsor the show. I mean, you can't tell me with all that Greek yogurt being produced and sold here in the U.S. that the Greeks are suffering financially. I mean, the Greeks are making a killing on yogurt. They're selling enough Greek yogurt to send every little Nick and Jimmy and Maria and Stavros and Spiros to college, which I think they invented too, buy them a house and set them up a whole lamb roasting spit in their backyard. You know, like in Norway or Kuwait or Alaska, where everyone gets their share of the oil wealth, or the Indian tribes who become millionaires from the casinos that they've built on their land. I mean, the Greeks must be totally making up this whole financial crisis thing, this ooh, total economic and social collapse thing that they all keep boohooing about. They are rolling in yogurt money right now. And don't tell me it's not true, because I probably buy two quarts of Greek yogurt a week and the reason that they claim they have such high unemployment isn't because nobody has to work. They all have their yogurt money, so they don't have to work. And they all stash away their yogurt money tax-free, and they use it to buy houses in Astoria for cash. And then they open diners on Long Island as a place to launder the money, I think. Now, I would li also like to point out at this moment that Chobani, which is a Greek yogurt company, although it's made here in the U.S., but I'm sure they're funneling money to Greece, is the official yogurt of the 2012 Summer Olympics, which just ended. And Chobani's tagline is naturally powering Team USA, Team USA, which is certainly more believable than McDonald's as the official restaurant of the Olympics, given that it's 
not even really a restaurant, and given that it's absolutely conceivable that Olympians are eating the Chobani Greek yogurt, but that they would probably fall over dead after eating a Big Mac. Although some of those kind of Auschwitz-looking long-distance runners could maybe use a couple of Big Macs. But anyway, I'm digressing. I know all this stuff about Greece and how much money they're making off of yogurt because I did the research for this episode all by myself on the internet, which means it must be true. Because my research assistant, Belinda, left the Let's Get Real family this week to pursue her career. She graduated from college and she has to pursue her career as if working for me for free wasn't gratifying and rewarding enough. But she'll see. In a couple months, she'll be back, tired of her paid job working for her career she'll be back they always come back and it's all okay with me by the way because i love greek yogurt and i'm okay with you know giving my money to the greeks it's fine you know whatever crisis they want to invent and make up so we feel sorry for them that's okay we could do that and now that i eat greek i never want to go back to the regular stuff once you've had greek I don't know what rhymes with that. Anyway, the regular yogurt now to me, it's too watery. It's too loose. It's not tangy enough. It doesn't have the body. It doesn't have the Greek body. Hmm. I like the way the thick Greek yogurt really stands up. And it stands up to things like honey, which is how I eat it. Just plain Greek yogurt and honey. And particularly my own honey for my little bees who live in Brooklyn, who I just checked today and are doing very well. Thank you for asking. That's the way the ancient Greeks intended. I'm pretty sure that's how Socrates and Sophocles and all those Cles guys, Hippocrates, they ate their yogurt. They ate it Greek with honey. That's how the Greek gods ate it. That's how Michael Dukakis and Ariana Huffington and Tina Fey ordain it. That's the way it should be. Always and forever. Plain Greek yogurt with honey. But, and you know with me, there's, there's always a but. Well, the Greeks are living it up over there in Southern Europe, crying poverty, but really living like gods, really living like kings off of our current obsession with their yogurt. There's always the other end of the market spectrum, the foodiness end of the market spectrum, the end or maybe really the bottom of the yogurt market, the bottom, you know, the bottom, the bottom's where the bottom feeders feed. Maybe the bottom feeders feed at the bottom because they're too fat and sick and unhealthy to even get up off the bottom or maybe off of their bottoms. They've bottomed out because their bottoms are so big that they have to feed on the bottom. And as usual, the bottom makes up 99% of the pie or in this case, the pie flavored yogurt. So we're really talking about the bottom 99% of foodiness yogurt products that can legally be called yogurt, but are really just like Cheesecake factory desserts in culture dairy clothing, like chain restaurant desserts, all tarted up and pretending to be yogurt. Let me put it this way. If real yogurt is 1970s era all-American Olympian decathlete Bruce Jenner, then fat-free, sugar-free, red velvet cake flavored yogurt is the 2012 era facelifted reality show tragedy Bruce Jenner. You see the difference? We're talking about the 99% of the yogurt market that embraces and wallows in foodiness and that uses yogurt and its 5,000-year-old proven reputation as a delicious, healthy, power superfood to create one of the ultimate foodiness feel-good doppelganger boondoggles in history. 
And yogurt is a case where being in the 99% is not something to be proud of. In fact, let's get real here. Unless we're talking about having all of your limbs or only one head, being in the 99% generally does suck. I mean, why would you want to be in the majority about anything these days? And this is definitely the case with yogurt. So, in the name of research, now that I have to do it myself, in the name of research, Chris, my co-writer, and I, we went on a mission last week. We went out on a mission to investigate the yogurt market. Now, millionaire Greeks notwithstanding, there is a shitload of horrifically foodinessified yogurt-like products out there maligning and slandering poor yogurt's good name. And some of the so-called yogurt products are so far away from actual yogurt that they're really just crap-filled cups of sugar, thickeners, color, and artificial flavor, or artificially sweetened, which is even worse, with just enough milk and added culture to, I guess, qualify to be called yogurt to earn that title. Now, I don't know the rules, of course. I don't know the rules about how much yogurt needs to actually be in yogurt to qualify as yogurt. Because you know how fast and easy the USDA and the food industry like to play with the rules in general. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of funny business and voodoo labeling going on. This is the world, though, this is the world where the word fancy, as it applies to vegetables, actually means previously frozen. Did you know that? Fancy means previously frozen in the processed food world. So then what can the word yogurt actually mean anymore? It's like semantics or semiotics or one of those icks I was supposed to learn in college and did, but I smoked too much pot back then, so I don't really remember any of it. It's not yogurt. It's yogurt simulacra. That's the one thing I remember from college, simulacra. No, you know what? I just realized something. It's not yogurt simulacra. It's actually dessert simulacra, where red velvet cake yogurt is neither cake nor yogurt, but a whole new category of foodiness nightmare, where foods just become vehicles for interchangeable synthetic flavor components. It's not key lime pie. It's key lime pie flavored artificially sweetened yogurt. No, let's not even call it yogurt. Let's call it fogurt. Key lime pie flavored fogurt. It's neither pie nor yogurt, just a whole new animal created in the lab to appeal to America's obese herds so they can have their red velvet cake and eat their yogurt, so they think, too. Now, of course, if you've been listening regularly to this show, you know that I've been exploring this topic for the last year since Let's Get Real launched a year ago in September 2011. I know, it's been a year. And this idea that everything has to be so sweetened now, everything is so hyper-sweetened, that everything tastes like dessert or tastes like candy now. I went into this in a, an episode a while ago, one of my soon-to-be iconic episodes called Vodka Doesn't Taste Like Cupcakes, or If It Tastes Like Candy, It Is. And if you think that marshmallow-flavored vodka or chocolate chip-flavored fiber bars are bad, the candification of yogurt really takes the red velvet cake. I mean, we probably do still have an inkling of what real yogurt, or sorry, what real vodka tastes like. Real vodka, you know, Tastes like gasoline, basically, like rubbing alcohol. Or fiber actually comes from, you know, from food, fruits, vegetables, beans. But yogurt has been so thoroughly and completely abducted 
that it now is totally conflated with things like key lime pie and M&Ms and red velvet cake and not even real red velvet cake, but artificially flavored red velvet cake flavored yogurt. And seriously, what the fuck is up with red velvet cake? I mean, what what is that stuff even? What where does it come from? What is the point of it? Why would anybody want to ingest that much red dye? You know, it's red because it's dyed red, right? It's not like just some weird fluke of baking that it's red. It's it's a devil's food cake dyed red. You do know that, don't you? I hope so. I mean, why would you want to ingest that much red dye? Did we not learn anything from the red M&M scare of the 80s? If you're too young to even remember that, just Google it. Just look it up. If you want to eat chocolate cake, eat chocolate cake. Why does it have to be dyed red? And why do we need red velvet cake flavored things? Anyway, I mean, what's the flavor of red velvet cake? Doesn't it just taste like cake? It's like this frozen yogurt place that I like to go to, which that'll have to probably be a whole separate episode, you know, frozen foodiness. This frozen yogurt place where I do go, because I do enjoy a frozen yogurt now and then, has a flavor called birthday cake flavor. Birthday cake flavor. So does that mean that it tastes like sugary whipped Crisco roses and melted candle wax and disappointment and aging? Because to me, that's what birthdays are really about. Now, needless to say, I like to go there because I like their plain tart flavor. Plain, You know, I'm a plain tart kind of girl. That's what I want. If I want birthday cake, I'll eat goddamn birthday cake. Sometimes I get the pistachio once in a while when I'm feeling crazy. But the point is that we're so far down the rabbit hole with foodiness yogurt flavoring that they now have yogurt flavored to taste like things that are flavored in the first place. It's like a reality show about the making of a reality show. Actually, that's a good idea. I shouldn't really give that one away for free. Forget I said that. So in our research mission, we discovered some seriously horrifying stuff, as I may have mentioned. The entire line of dessert-flavored yogurts that we saw, the key lime pie flavor, the red velvet cake flavor, the chocolate cream pie flavor, the black forest cake flavor, and then the mousse-like ones, which are called whips. Now, do people not get it that whipped means air incorporated in it? So you're paying for what they call yogurt, but what you're getting is air. Air. Air is free. Yeah, free. Like water. Water's free too, but people pay for that all the time. So I guess it's inevitable. You can sell people air. You can sell them water. I could sell you a bridge. I mean, what would Hippocrates have said about all of this? Anyway, Hippocrates, it's a good thing he's dead because I don't think he could stomach any of this. Didn't Hippocrates say, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food? I don't think he was talking about artificially flavored, artificially colored, fat-free black forest cake yogurt with chocolate chips in a squeezable tube that needs no refrigeration or a spoon. I don't think that's quite what Hippocrates had in mind. And then there were the yogurts that had all the stuff to mix in, crunchy stuff, in like a separate little cup on top. Sometimes you see that in places with granola. It's stuck on top. And you stir that stuff in. Now, I get that because I like crunchy stuff sometimes in my yogurt. Like sometimes I'll put in chia seeds or mm, flax seeds or chopped nuts or even a little granola sometimes. But of course, good granola, you know, granola that I make. 
not foodiness granola that's covered in corn syrup and industrial oils and I don't want to get into that. Yeah, another good food that started out good and got bad and got totally hijacked by foodiness. And you can just listen to my old episode called There's No Such Thing as Whole Grain Captain Crunch. You can hear all about that. Anyway, how did we get from that? Just granola on yogurt, which is that staple of the breakfast menu in so many mid-range hotels and 90s brunches, to yogurt with a little compartment on top of stir-in mini Reese's Pieces or little teeny M&Ms, including the red ones, or Oreo crumbles or fucking Nestle Crunch Bar bits. Yeah, that's what we saw on our research mission. I took pictures. I can show you. Now, as I'm thinking about this, I'm wondering if I can make a value judgment here. Sure, it's my show, right? Why not? Is it better to eat vanilla-flavored yogurt, right? Just plain vanilla, sweetened-flavored yogurt with M&M's stirred into it, where you at least have a sense of what you're eating. Since it's not M&M-flavored, it's just M&M's. Is it better to eat that than to eat cake-flavored yogurt? It seems more honest to me, at least. In a way, less foodiness-y. Because since you know what you're getting, and nobody can make the claim that adding M&Ms to your yogurt is making it any healthier. Whereas the cake-flavored ones are being promoted as a healthy alternative to eating cake, even as having an added bonus, which is that you're eating yogurt along with your not cake, which as most people know, they should be eating yogurt, but they probably don't know why or what to look for in their yogurt. And even though the cake-flavored yogurts have as much or maybe more sugar than the actual cake, plus a whole Greek, Greek shipping vessels worth of chemicals people are still eating it it's like that there's a tv ad now where this girl this off girl sorry woman woman working in an office opens up the office fridge and on one side she sees the real cheesecake and on the other side she sees the cheesecake flavored yogurt she knows the right choice to make so she picks the cheesecake flavored yogurt because she's smart and she's in a commercial She's not getting paid $50,000 to eat the cheesecake. She's getting paid $50,000 to, you know, eat the yogurt. So she eats the artificially flavored and colored, artificially sweetened, cornstarch and gum thickened, fat-free yogurt. And woo, she's virtuous. She's smart. She's making smart choices. And she feels really good about herself for now. And then you know what happens? A little while later... She starts to feel totally unsatisfied. She's probably still hungry since there was no fat in that fogurt to tell her brain that she'd actually eaten food because she didn't actually eat any food. And those artificial sweeteners actually start to make her body crave sweetness even more. And she gets really hungry and kind of depressed. And she feels so deprived that a few hours later when the whole office crew says, hey, let's go out for happy hour, she decides to go to happy hour with them. And she drinks one too many sugar-free Cosmos, and she winds up in a filthy motel room with her married boss, who is 25 years older than her, and he makes her tie him up and spank him, and then he gives her herpes. So she should have just eaten the goddamn cheesecake, huh? So you see how foodiness fools us and misleads us, and how it degrades us, humiliates us, and gives us herpes? Foodiness thinks we're stupid, And you know what? A lot of us are, except the Greeks. Although Michael Dukakis riding in that tank in an attempt to look butch 
back in 1988 when he was running against Bush Sr. and just wound up looking like a teeny tiny little douchebag, notwithstanding. And anyway, how do they make cake flavor? Do they put piles of cake into glass beakers in labs and add alcohol and distill the essence of the cake like they do in perfumery? Or is it more like enfleurage, another perfume technique where flowers and bugs and stuff are pressed between oily wax to pull their essence and their scent out? Or do the cakes get dehydrated and ground up into cake dust and that gets sprinkled into the yogurt? That seems almost too natural to me. I only know that stuff about perfume because I read the book Perfume several times, which is a fascinating, great story, crazy and weird and wild, and you should all read it for summer vacation. You could also read Tom Robbins' Jitterbug Perfume, also excellent. I'm sure you all have. You're that type of listener, I think. So I don't know how cake flavor is made, or pie flavor, or cheesecake flavor, or birthday flavor. I do know flavorists, people who actually do that for a living. And I find that kind of fascinating. And I thought about becoming one once, not that long ago. The science of it is really interesting. And I'm very drawn to it in kind of a perverse way. It's kind of like being a Jew who drives a Mercedes or a black person who votes for Romney. It's kind of like exploring that deep, dark, forbidden side of yourself, like that night in the motel with your boss. And now you have to explain to your fiance how you got the herpes. So we're going to take a quick break right here. I'm going to leave you with that thought. And we'll be back in a couple of short minutes. You're listening to Without a Heart by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Without a heart, I can be so All of us at Cane Vineyard and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, go to cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Weitz, your host. Remember that if you love Heritage Radio Network, you should become a member because you know that Heritage is now a nonprofit corporation and you can support us. It's like PBS, but better because we don't have massive corporate donors telling us what to do. We have you. So you should join. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and become a member today. If you're a fan of Let's Get Real, you can always find all my shows on the Heritage Radio Network website. You can also find all of them plus everyone else's shows on iTunes. And you can check out my website, which is letsgetrealshow.com. You can also find me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. I don't tweet that much, just so you know, once or twice a week at the most. So where were we? Oh, yeah, herpes and the boss. Anyway, as we can see, foodiness yogurt is so, so, so far down the rabbit hole that it may actually be in hell. Yeah. Because that's what's down there beyond the rabbit hole is hell. And there's a special circle of hell for foodiness products like fruit flavored gummy vitamins and artificial sweetener packets with added vitamins added to them or chocolate chip flavored fiber bars. 
especially the foodiness products that hijack something that was once so pure and good and healthy and innocent, like real yogurt or Alter Boys. Yogurt is one of the oldest foods that we eat that we didn't just kill or pick or catch. It was like one of our first manufactured foods in a way. We made it. We invented it. My ancestors, maybe. My ancestors. And we've been making it for almost 5,000 years. Seriously, it's one of the oldest foods that we eat. Now, 4,975 of those years were spent just eating plain yogurt or maybe yogurt flavored with fruit and sugar or honey. Even commercial yogurt used to be just yogurt and fruit and sugar, like the old Dannon yogurts that my family used to eat in the 70s because that was like the only stuff you could get back then. Boysenberry flavor. They don't make boysen. What is a boysenberry? They don't make that anymore. Before the onslaught of NutraSweet and everything, it was just Dan and just yogurt. And on that note, don't ever eat anything with the word Nutra in it any forever, anyway, like no matter what. And especially don't eat anything with the word Nutria in it because, you know, that's a rat that lives in a swamp. Anyway, we ate Dan and, well, not me. I hated yogurt, hated it until I was probably... I don't know, into high school or even out of high school. I hated it. And at one point in my suburban homesteading childhood on the prairie of Long Island, my parents bought a yogurt maker and started making their own, maybe to subvert the cost of buying it and maybe cutting down on some of the sugar that came in Dan in. I don't know. I wouldn't eat that either. Even when they let me stir in like a half a can of Hershey's chocolate syrup into it, because they thought maybe if it was chocolate yogurt, I would eat it. I still wouldn't eat it. I still didn't like it. But you know what? People's tastes change. I grew up. I'm living proof. Things that you always thought you didn't like, you might like now. And now I can't get enough of yogurt, especially plain. Because I find every brand of pre-sweetened yogurt too sweet. That's the beauty of maturity. It rocks in certain ways. Except for the wrinkles and the sagging and the graying and all that. But... The point is that I now eat plain yogurt compared to pink, artificially colored, sweetened, banana-flavored, fat-free fogurt. I mean, it's practically like a form of asceticism for me. And of course, you can get face work and dye your hair, but you can never get rid of herpes. So for low these 5,000 years, we've been fermenting our milk to make it last longer without refrigeration, but also to make it more nutritious. That's why we invented yogurt, because we didn't have refrigerators way back when, and because fermenting it makes it better for you. There's evidence of cultured milk products being produced as food for at least 5,000 years, maybe even more. And it probably comes from what's now considered Eastern Europe or Western and Central Asia or Greece, where nomadic cattle herders live, but they have found evidence in Africa that's even older too. Now, some cow herd, cow herd is like a shepherd, but cows, probably milked his cows and then left the milk out in a cave somewhere on a warm day and fell asleep or, you know, wandered off to visit the shepherds, if you know what I mean. And the wild bacteria in the air got into the milk and attacked it and cultured it and thickened it. And since people were a lot thriftier back then, he probably ate it. And he ate it and he said, wow, this shit is good. But you know what? It would be a lot better with some Oreo crumbles stirred into it. Now, of course, according to the Paul Ryan constituency in this country, the Earth itself is only 6,000 years old. 
and Obama was born of a jackal in Africa, and yogurt was invented by Unilever in 1992 and intended to taste like apple pie and Nestle Crunch bars. But that's a whole different story, and that's a different network than this one. But according to actual historic records that I read on the internet, the earliest yogurts were probably spontaneously fermented by wild bacteria called Lactobacillus bulgaricus. Sorry, Lactobacillus bulgaricus, native to and named after what's now Bulgaria, which is very close to Greece, FYI. And people in that part of the world had made, have made millions of variations on yogurt and yogurt drinks in Eastern Europe and, like I said, Central, Western Asia, India, all those dairy-eating parts of the world because they didn't have refrigeration and they had to preserve their food. And if you raised cows... It was much more cost-effective for you to eat the dairy product from the cow than kill the cow and eat the cow. So you would hold on to those cows a lot longer. And anytime you ferment a food, you make it more nutritious. Fermentation makes food better for you. The process creates B vitamins that are otherwise only available in meat. So in cultures where people don't eat a lot of meat, or at least historically don't eat a lot of meat, you find a lot of fermented foods like Japan where they didn't really eat any meat until about 100 years ago, but they eat lots of miso and pickles and fermented soy products. They figured it out. They get their B vitamins that way. So when you're shopping for your yogurt, what are you looking for? You're looking for milk and cultures, and that's it. And by culture, I don't mean Masterpiece Classic and NPR, not that kind of culture. Culture are live active bacteria like acidophilus and that kind of stuff. And as we've discussed, so many commercial yogurts are full of gelatins and pectin and cornstarch and all kinds of other thickeners, not to mention, of course, the sugar and color and NutraSweet and all of that. And just knowing, just being consciously aware of the fact that there's a yogurt that's colored hot pink and yellow and swirled together and branded as Trix flavored yogurt and marketed to kids makes me actually want to form the foodiness militia and go on a rampage. Just saying. Good quality plain old yogurt is good for you. It's full of protein and calcium and those B vitamins and it has nutritional benefits that go way beyond unfermented milk. People who are lactose intolerant can often eat yogurt because the process of fermenting it turns the lactose, which is the sugar, into lactic acid. It basically does the digestion for you. And if your digestion breaks down on the other end, yogurt's really good for you too. If you, you know, have some trouble down there, it can help you, especially if you're taking antibiotics. If you take antibiotics, those antibiotics wipe out all the flora and fauna in your gut. So if you eat yogurt, good yogurt, you'll bring them back. And some studies even claim that yogurt is good for your gums. It promotes gum health because of the probiotic effect of the lactic acid. Probiotics, of course, are those little critters that keep your gut, flora, and fauna balanced and healthy. But they also stimulate your immune system and your economy. And that's how I know that the Greeks are totally making this crisis up because they eat all that yogurt and they should be completely economically stimulated by now. Now, who knows? I eat a lot of yogurt. I have pretty good gums. Although my dentist did just tell me the other day that I clench too much. Really? Seriously? Me, a clencher? I find that very hard to believe. What a surprise. Actually, what I'm shocked about is that I don't have holes, gaping holes through my tongue from having to bite it all the time. 
So anyway, how is real yogurt made? Well, like other fermented foods, like wine and beer and bread and miso and pickles, fermented products are just milk and bacteria. You turn that lactose, which is milk sugar, into lactic acid, which acts on the milk protein and gives yogurt its texture and its tang, which you can't taste if it tastes like pancakes. Okay? You can't taste it if it tastes like something else. Dairy yogurt is produced just using milk and that lactobacillus bulgaricus and streptococcus thermopolis. You don't really need to know all this, but it's interesting, right? The milk gets heated up, then it gets cooled down. You put in the culture, you let it sit for a while in a warm place. Boom, you have yogurt. It's very easy. You can look it up. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to go into it tonight, but it's so easy. If you want to make your own yogurt, it's actually super simple. You can buy a yogurt culture online from a cheese making or homebrew store, but you can also just use yogurt. It's like sourdough. You start with a little bit of the thing and you turn it into more thing. So you heat up your milk, you put in some of your yogurt, you get more yogurt. You save some of that yogurt, you make more yogurt forever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Greeks, for inventing that. Now, my parents' yogurt maker had these little jars and the jars were in a heated base. And I think you can still find that, but I've seen it around, but you don't really need it. You don't need it. If you look online, Alton Brown has a great method. Use him. Now, let's get real about this, of course. I am not going to insist that you go make your own yogurt. I mean, last week, I suggested that you make your own peanut butter in my show, Choosy Mommies Don't Choose Jif. And I also talked about making your own bread way back when in There's No Glory in Your Whole Grain. But I know you've got plenty of other things to do than make everything you eat from scratch. I mean, seriously, you haven't updated your Facebook photo in like 12 hours and little Hampton needs his Ritalin. It's time. And the nanny is asking you for overtime and you have mommy Pilates in 15 minutes. I understand. But if you really want to leave the foodiness yogurt matrix and find yogurt Zion, maybe you should try doing it. Not that complicated. But being a little more realistic on a daily yogurt basis, you're going to just have to buy good yogurt. I mean, even I don't sit around and make yogurt a lot. I mean, I have too much Louie and Breaking Bad to watch. So if you're shopping for that yogurt, the thing you want to remember, like all foodiness products, is that there are degrees. Remember the six degrees of foodiness? And in the world of yogurt, there's a huge range from the worst of the inner foodiness rabbit hole circle of yogurt hell, like the Trix yogurt or the Nutra-sweetened pie-flavored yogurts. I mean, in those cases, I think you're better off eating the tricks or the pie. In fact, that's how I would advise you. If you look at the cover of the yogurt carton and you see an image of another food, like a pie or a cake or a cereal, go eat that food. At least you'll know what you're getting. And you'll know that you're a 35-year-old junior partner at a law firm making two hundred grand a year eating key lime pie and trick cereal at your desk for lunch. You'd be better off having sex with your legal secretary during lunch hour, but wear a condom because I think she got herpes from the boss. From there, you move up the rabbit hole to the sweetened, fruity ones that are okay. They're kind of heavy on the sugar, but, you know, like regular old Dannon or Yoplait, they're, they're mainly okay. They have some thickeners and crab added along the way with the sugar and the fruit, but they're all right. They can be defined as yogurt, but they also deliver extreme sweetness. So they're still slipping into that everything has a taste like candy category to me and then up toward the light as you get toward the entrance of the foodiness rabbit hole that you fell into back in the 90s when you were led to believe 
that you couldn't eat Oreos, but it was okay to eat Oreo yogurt. Since it didn't have any fat in it, it was totally fine. And you're drifting up toward the light, up and away from all that you'll find, the perfectly fine mass-marketed brands like Faye and Chobani and Stonyfield. You'll find them hovering there near the top, the good quality brands, the no crap added. Even some of them are, very, are, are organic, but still pretty sweet. Now, I would buy those and I would sweeten them myself with honey from my own bees or honey that you buy from a beekeeper. Those products are real yogurt. I mean, if you need sweetness, which you're, we're, we're Americans, you most likely do, you can sweeten it yourself. Honey, good quality jam, get frozen blueberries and thaw them out. That works great. But then, of course, there are the micro degrees, the issues that keep me up at night, the issues that give me orthorexia, the issues that lead me to stand there paralyzed in the store. So I should probably give a little warning here that the following segment is for mature, let's get real audiences only. In other words, if you just recently started listening and you're all excited to know that all you need to know is to stop eating blueberry pie flavored yogurt and instead buy plain yogurt and put blueberries in it then it's time to press stop on your media player and go turn on Breaking Bad. Not really. But here's where we deal with the issue of the opportunity cost of knowing too much about food industrialization. So let me go ahead and tell you that my perfect world ideal yogurt would be this. It would be organic from grass-fed cows only. It would be plain. It would be 2% milk fat and it would be Greek. Now, I can't find this. If somebody knows of this, tell me. I think I have to make my own, actually. But in our research, I came upon organic Greek for the first time, and that's a start. But if I won't drink non-organic milk, then why eat non-organic yogurt, right? Yogurt is such a concentration of milk product that organic is really the only way to go. So I need that. Plus, I want it to only be from grass-fed cows because even organic milk from non-grass-fed cows has problems like being fed grain and corn. Remember, non-organic milk equals gonads gone wild. I can't even get into that. It's been a long show. I'm getting tired. And after a lifetime of believing the misguided low-fat and non-fat gospel, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that we need to be eating more dairy fat from grass-fed animals. So I don't want my non-fat yogurt anymore. I'm not quite ready to take the full fat plunge simply because I find it just too rich, but I would like 2%, grass-fed, organic, Greek, 2%. We're getting close. And anyway, you're getting more real and less fake by simply buying and eating just plain non-foodiness yogurt, grass-fed or not, organic or not, then cheesecake, key lime pie, red velvet flavored cupcake, pancake, pop-tart flavored, six degree inner foodiness circle of hell, fogurt. So let's get real. When you're standing there in the yogurt section and you're overwhelmed by all those pretty colors and pictures of fruit and cows looking out at you and all those promises to make you fit and thin and regular, think about this. You could be reading ingredients for an hour to locate a real yogurt. Meanwhile, little Lexi has escaped her bugaboo stroller and she's run off into traffic and your phone just alerted you that you have 10 more emails and you're in a rush. So let's simplify this. Stay away from the bright colors. Stay away from the pictures of pie and cake and candy and cookies and cereal. Stay away from ingredient lists that are longer than a very short sentence. Stay away from exclamation points or promises that the yogurt will make you regular or is a lot of fun to eat. Look for pictures of cows and farms and for white and off-white color palettes. 
Don't buy anything with toppings or mix-ins or swirls or whips. Look for these words. Organic, grass-fed, or Greek. Help support the Greek economy. Send some more money their way. And in fact, if you don't want to eat shit or crappy yogurt and you don't want to have to think too much, just think Greek. I mean, look how well it's working out for them, right? It also depends on the kind of grocery store you shop in. We went to three levels of grocery store in our research. You really do have to go to the slightly better store to find the slightly better products. I'm sorry to say it. I know. You know where I'm talking about. You can do it. And then once you have your real yogurt in your hand, look at the ingredients. All it should really say is contains milk, preferably organic, and live active cultures. That's it. Milk and live active cultures. Any more than that, and you're falling back into the yogurt cavern of the foodiness rabbit hole where morbidly obese Alice can't get out of bed and is surrounded by thousands of empty, fat-free, apple pie-flavored yogurt cartons. That's it. No foodiness. No M&Ms. No Reese's. No children's cereal you stopped eating 30 years ago, but which you'll now eat during board meetings because it shows how fun and youthful you really are? Then sweeten it yourself or get used to a tart. Stay away from the thickeners and the cornstarch and the gelatin because good yogurt doesn't need any of that. So go forth. Put on a toga. Spread the principles of democracy around. Buy some real yogurt or maybe make your own. Don't eat shit. And you don't want to get herpes or sleep with that nasty boss with the hair plugs either. In order to do all that, you need to keep tuning in to Let's Get Real. And as far as the Greeks are concerned, eat their yogurt. But I wouldn't really lend them any money at this point. We are so out of time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Joe in the control room. Thanks to Chris Nutter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.